Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Before we even start, bro, you and Moxley, man, wow, I enjoyed the hell out of that, man. That was, (laughs) I text uh, all my boys afterwards, I said, if you don't know what a main event is, bro, it is right here. I don't care what company you're in, this is the measuring stick. Like, it was, I mean, not that you need to be told this, but I mean, it was just. It's good to hear, man. I appreciate that. It was quite the war, for sure. (laughs) You watch so much stuff, and, you know, I'm I'm always going to be a fan first. But I was like, all right, I know this is going to be nasty. It was a great story, man. Mark's always one of my favorite guys. Him and I, uh, we battled a lot in FCW and stuff. And uh, we had a Halloween match to pop ourselves, you know, because it's always, uh, he's always one of those extreme guys. And uh, yeah. middle of the match, I went to look like it was going to be tax, but it was candy corn. And he took the bump on candy corn, man, and we sold it like tax. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're pointy. Those candy corns. Yeah, yeah, and lots of uh, empty calories too. So you know, <laughs> that's right. Dangerous. <laughs> Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, is holding a special two-night pay-per-view event, NWA seventy-four at the historic Chase Park Plaza Hotel in St. Louis this weekend. All the action takes place Saturday, August 27th, and Sunday, August 28th. There's still a few tickets available. Just go to nwatix.com. That's nwatix.com. You can also purchase the pay-per-view there, which will be streaming on fight.tv. The cards for both nights are stacked. And on Sunday night, the NWA World Heavyweight title will be decided. It could be a history-making night as Tyrus, the current NWA television champion, is going to try to defeat Trevor Murdoch and end up with both titles at the end of the night. I got Tyrus on the show today to talk about his return to wrestling and specifically the NWA, how he's preparing for this weekend's big fight and why both the TV and heavyweight titles mean so much to him. Tyrus is also talking about his time in WWE as the Funkasaurus. He explains how he got that gimmick, how much he hated it when he first found out about it, what the late great Dusty Rhodes did for him to help him get over He shares the story behind the Funkadactyls and how he convinced Naomi and Cameron to join up with him. He reveals what The Undertaker and Bret Hart both said about Funkasaurus. Tyrus also talks about his time in NXT with Brian Danielson and EC3 and his feud with Edge and Christian. He also reveals how he came to be Snoop Dogg's bodyguard, what it was like to work for the rapper. And you'll hear why he credits Snoop for his return to wrestling and success in the WWE and the NWA. Also, Tyrus talks about his other job as a panelist on the Greg Gutfield show on Fox and what it's done for his wrestling success, his career, and the NWA in general. It's a great conversation with Tyrus, and it starts right here, right now 
on Talk is Jericho. We'll just get into it. We're here with Tyrus. You mentioned FCW and, and Moxley, and you've got such a long history in wrestling. I think people kind of forget that at times because you've done so many other things, and we'll talk about those. You've been doing this for a really long time, and now you have this huge match with the NWA with uh, Trevor Murdoch for the for the world title. And then kind of tell us a little bit about your NWA experience so far. Uh, going all the way back I took a break just, uh, you know, during the pandemic and stuff, trying to figure out what I was going to do. I loved my wrestling career, but I didn't feel like I was ready to, to hang it up. And a lot of times you see guys that get other opportunities outside of the ring and, you know, they don't look back. Well, I mean, every time I was sitting in the chair in Gutfeld or sitting in a Fox News building, I'm looking at my phone, seeing who, what was going on in AEW, WWE, like watching my friends, you know, Bobby Lashley and, and Drew and. And, and guys who were so kind to me when I first got in a game like yourself and, you know, Swagger, yeah. one of my favorite guys. I think I still owe him like, I think I owe him like 20 matches. I think he carried me for like two years <laughs> in the WWE house shows. But, and I was just like, it just wasn't, just wasn't ready to walk away from it. There's that saying that some of us are wrestlers first and everything else is kind of extra. And I think you can relate because I mean, you've had an amazing career outside of the ring as well. I mean, your household name. Fozzie was his great band. You easily could have just went into music or acting and, and moved on from it, but something always brought you back. And personally, I'm glad you stayed, especially after uh, the main event oh, the other night. Uh, I, I just can't get over how great that was. But um, I just had an itch, and I wasn't ready to just let it go. And uh, so I reached out to uh, Billy, and I, I would watch an NWA on uh, YouTube and stuff, and saw a lot of my buddies there. And uh, Aaron Sandow, who's like my favorite person to beat up, <laughs> <laughs> he was out there and uh i reached out and uh they were like hey you know uh, no promises we'll bring you in we'll give you a match see, we'd see if you still got it or whatever and um uh, i went in there and of course they uh they threw me in the fire my first opponent was junior kratos you know junior was like he was fired up i was like all right so i understand this is one of the ones we're gonna buy beer afterwards and uh you know just Go to work, but once I got through, once it was over, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm whatever, whatever the situation is, whatever. Start my way at the bottom, whatever you want, man. Just tell me what to do, you know, what you want from me, and I'll put in the work." And so it just kind of went from there. There was no expectations on on Billy's part, and um, the momentum starts building, and you start, you know, once you get your first one, you start to get your legs back, and you start to. Because I was concerned because I had been sitting on my ass for, you know, during the pandemic, following the rules mm -hmm. and doing everything remote. And uh, I don't think it really dawned on me until my singer was on. And I was getting ready to walk out uh, against Kratos and I walked by the mirror and I went, shit. Like, <laughs> oh, we got a lot of work. We, we got a lot of work to do. And in our business, you can be a super heavyweight and lean on guys, but that can only take you so far. And uh, if, you're, if your footwork isn't there, if you're not, if you're not able to keep up, then you're really disgracing the, the sport that you love. So uh, I had a lot of work to do. and But luckily, there was a lot of pandemic bellies going around. So I was, <laughs> I was the only one. You know, when you walk around, you know, at 350 on a good day, uh, you can't uh, show up to at least compete at championship level at 385, 395 pounds. Just in my opinion, in today's game, uh, the guys are so much more athletic, so much quicker. You know, thanks to guys like Big Show. And Kane, you just can't do the, you know, right. oh, one, one bump. Like, you got to work. Uh, and so 
the game has changed for the, for the big guy, you know, and it was just a process. And then momentum started building. And then, unfortunately, the first guy I see is Pope, and he's got, he's got that NWA World Television Championship. And I was like, <laughs> Dusty had that. Mike Rotundo had that. You know, all the guys that, that – Nikita, all the guys that I looked up to, Arn, Tully, Magnum T.A. And I was like, sorry, Grace. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Once I got my hands on it, I was like, just it just continued – the momentum just continued to grow. And then I showed up to Fox with my World Television Championship, and they were like, uh, what, what's going on? I said, I'm, you wouldn't ask Muhammad Ali not to have his championship, so don't ask me. So at first, Fox was a little – like, how are they going to take you seriously? They took me. I'm a champion. He takes champions seriously. And sure, as it showed up, and then uh, they just asked me one question. They said, why? I said, for everyone before me that held this title, for everyone, you guys don't, wrestling doesn't get enough credit for the amount of stars outside of the ring. When we agreed to this, when I signed with Fox, I said, you can tell me what movies I can do, but you can't tell me where I'm going to wrestle. And they agreed to that. So, what started out was to prove a point. Maybe, you know, it was a little bit of a little bit of a middle finger to some of the people who always got something to say about people in our business and whatnot. But before you know it, people who never watched are watching. And the cool part is because there's a, a large contingent of, uh, I'll say this next way, older fans that watch Fox News that grew up on watching NWA and Georgia Championship Wrestling and and they were going, I haven't seen that title in years. I'm like, it's been around, you know, and all of a sudden they're, now they want to go to shows and stuff. And uh, it was been a nice mix to kind of bring the two worlds together. Understanding that on TV wrestling works with everything, but when you're in the ring, there's no time for politics. So there's a fine line there, but you can have it all in, in terms of if your work is right. And the NWA schedule works really well with my Fox schedule. So and I was just able to continue to step up and improve. And then the, the shit with Nick and uh, Billy fell apart or whatever. And uh, I had been number one contender for about four months. But typically with this championship, what they had was is that after your seventh title defense, you basically traded in for a title shot. And I went, okay. I went to Billy and said, this isn't the title that you trade in. And I listed the men before me. And I said, It'd be, the only way you get this title is if you capture the World Heavyweight Championship and then you surrender it afterwards, like in the tournament and stuff. And then I, he was like, well, do you have any evidence of this? I said, yeah. Midnight Express were the United States Tag Team Champions. They faced Arn and Tully for World Tag Team Championships. And for two weeks on TV, they held both titles. And then they uh, surrendered the United States Tag Team title. And there was a tournament. Everybody wins. So it's the, it's the same thing. And... Uh, you know, then Pat said, we'll get back to you and let you know. And they said, okay, we're going to lift the stipulation. You no longer have to surrender the title. So, and that's, of course, why I was able to have nine and ten title defenses going into into this. So I was able to rewrite history a little bit, you know. And, uh, of course, speaking to the first ever unified world champion, uh, <laughs> you would respect that. And, you again, and no one expected it because – the two top guys in the country, in the world, on the planet, the Rock and Stone Cold, both mm. beat them both in one night and made history. So this is not on the, the grand stage that is, but this is up there. There's a chance to be the first world television champion and NWA champion. So it'll be my own little nook of history. And uh, they can't take because it's never been done. So no, they can't take it away from me. So unlike most wrestling situations, when this announcement was made, I had four weeks. So I basically had a training camp. Uh, getting ready for this. So I'm going to be 
the lightest I've been in my career. I'm coming in about 335, trying all kinds of new fun stuff and uh, inner waves and bands and all kinds of stuff like that. And then my film study has been unbelievable. And then I'd just like to apologize to the good guys, the good buddies down here in uh, Louisiana who've been able to come into the gym and let me uh, bounce them around a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I told them if I win, dinner's on me. And if I lose, it was their fault. So <laughs> that's, the way, right? that's the way to do it. So uh, it's a great time, man. I'm, I love the fact that it does on any given night, on any given channel, there's wrestling going on. And I, I'm just, I love that, you know, with AEW and New Japan and you have, you know, WWE, of course, and, you know, and then you got Impact and NWA and, you know, and it's even nice to see ROH is still a president accounting for. So it, it's a great time to be a wrestler and it's a great time for our business. It's great for the NWA to have you representing them, like you said, on Fox News, because you are a regular. So I would assume that's huge for the NWA to have you in that position. The most seen champion on the planet, I average about two and a half million people a night. And then uh, when I do, and then typically I do Fox four days a week right now. So it's like I'm four days on, three days off. But given in any week or anywhere, I'll finish up between 12 and 13 million people have watched all the shows I've been on. So it's, it's a great exposure for a, a world. It's the world television championship. So it would make sense for it to be on TV. <laughs> to be on television. You're the champion of all TVs. Yes, which is uh, which is an exciting prospect. <laughs> you also got to put your money where your mouth is. You know, that's why everyone, in any way, everyone's gunning for me. Everyone wants to be the one. I just uh, arrested my last match with Odinson, and I think he must have hit me with 35 of the most stiffest European uppercuts on the planet. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's nice to get out. <laughs> so, but it's nice to get in there and see guys, are, they're focused, and they're coming with 110% every match, so that, which means that, and as you know, this is, you know, is a Hall of Famer, and you've held every title there is on the planet. You got to bring your A game or, you know, it can change just like that. So, Do you like the uh, NWA style, like the studio wrestling? I, uh, such a kind of a unique way of doing things in 2022. I grew up every Saturday running in the house around 4.30 Eastern time in California to watch uh, Superstation TBS. To be in that same building was, it was really, it took you back in it. You think when you go back and you think about when you're watching your kid and you keep telling your brother, I'm going to do that one day. And he's like, yeah, right, fool. Uh, and, then you're, <laughs> and then you're in that building. The nostalgia and the history is great. I mean, obviously, you want to be in the building with, you know, 10,000 screaming fans. But there's something about being in the TV studio and thinking about the history and and the fans that are there. Uh, it's, it's a little more intimate because you can. And I'm, for one, and I always find someone to pick on in the crowd. This has been my thing. It's ironic that I met my wife. <laughs> I call him a pigeon. You know, I'll find one person in the crowd, and that's my pigeon for the night. If I'm beating somebody up and they're booing me, that's the guy I stare at while I'm beating them up. And uh, I stole that. Uh, Andre used to do that. Haku still does that. You find that one. So in there, it's a lot easier because it's, you know, it's, it's like great. You get to be a part closer. It's life. And, and then when you watch back you remember the sounds you used to hear as a kid like you hear the sounds of the mat you know and you'll hear like an individual you know coughing and stuff and you're like oh i remember that one except the difference is, is you know, <laughs> right, yeah. would come in there and just beat the life out of a guy for 10 minutes and you would just hear the sounds of the ring and the squeals of the guy in the crowd and stuff so it's nice and then like i said we're pushing the chase and then i think we're uh, i'm excited because uh the rumors are swirling that we're going to be in uh, new orleans 
right now I'm legitimately the king of New Orleans. I was the king of uh, Orpheus. Uh, I got a crown and a cape, and I'm sitting there with a world television channel. And I was waiting for a call from Lawler going, hey, what do you think you're doing? But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was 10,000 people, a key from the mayor. So if it comes to New Orleans, hopefully it's going to be one of those things where everyone falls in line. Because that's the one thing about wrestling. It brings so many different people together. I mean, you'll get a guy who just got out of the banker's office who's running to be at a show. And then you'll have your traditional fan and you'll have, you know, you'll, I, I'm glad to see the 70 year old ladies with the canes back trying to hit me going to the ring and stuff. <laughs> right. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So, so how did you become the king of New Orleans? You can't just gloss over that. What are you talking about? Uh, Harry Connick Jr. has the Orpheus crew where they have the giant, you know, every Mardi Gras, they have the giant parades and, and floats. And Orpheus is the most, is the grandest of them all, right? And uh, gotcha. I got a, a message on Instagram from Renee and Sonny. Those are the, the two that run Orpheus. And they have featured uh, stars once a year to get the honorary king and or queen and uh before that it was um quentin tarantino and, and a bunch of other guys yeah and uh like john travolta a bunch of big stars have done it so i got a message saying that we would like you to be uh one of our honorary kings of, of uh orpheus and i was like yeah right <laughs> so <laughs> and i emailed him back and i really didn't I live in louisiana i've lived in louisiana for seven years now but when ever mardi gras came natives leave so we always left. And I think I've been to like one, and I hate parades growing up in California. The Rose Bowl parade was the most boring thing on the planet. So for a kid, you know, right. you're just watching floats go by. Um, when I said to Ingrid, I said, hey, uh, they asked me to be the king of Orpheus. And she was like, oh, you do it. Idiot. Give me the information. I'll handle it. You'll screw it up. So uh, they asked me to do it. And then the response was so crazy that they're like, you're going to have your own float, your own thing. You're not sharing with anybody else. The mayor wants to give you the key to the city, and Jamie Foxx presented it. It was funny because I knew Jamie from back when I was uh, bodyguard and stuff, and I had saved his ass one night. He didn't beat up, so I had brought that up when he was like trying to like act like he didn't know me. I said, "Bro, I'm, you probably don't remember me, but I remember you." And then I told him when I hit the guy, uh, he went down. Jamie stood over him and did uh, Howard Corsell impersonation, where he's like, "Down goes Frazier, down," because the guy kept trying to get up, but he was dizzy. So. Uh, <laughs> I reminded him of that, and uh, we had a good laugh, but it ended up being, uh, and I had some of my wrestling buddies, so I usually don't go too far without some of my buddies. Uh, Chris Adonis was there. <laughs> I'm coming, <laughs> I'm on this, the float, the float's amazing, and, uh, you know, you're throwing beads, and I got my crown and my gown and my television title and the key to New Orleans, <laughs> and they're like, what music do you want to play when you go into the... Uh, the venue where there's you know five thousand Orpheus crew members waiting for you. You come in there. I was like, oh, Ice Cube, Sasquatch. So that's my favorite song. So okay. I'm coming in that stuff, and I'm throwing beads, and I see this Jack guy just screaming like, "Tyrus, Tyrus, over here, over here!" And I was like, "Who is?" This? 
like, oh, please don't let it be mine. And it was Das just screaming at the top of his lungs. And I was like, so I threw him, just so happens, he's this diehard Laker fan, I'm a Celtic fan, so, you know, we argue about everything, but I threw him beads, and apparently they're purple and gold, and he was convinced I did it on purpose out of respect for him and the Lakers. <laughs> Dr. And I see him catch it, and I was like, trying not to look at him. And, you know, Dr. Drew Pinsky was there in my, at my table. When we sat down, I said, hey, Doc, can you talk to him? He's just, he's out of line, man. And, like, and he was like, bro. And, like, you, we made eye contact. So I, I was looking away from you. Like, you were the loudest. Like, you're supposed to act like we're supposed to be here. And I'm supposed to fanboy it up. And he couldn't find a tuxedo, so they dressed him like one of the Orpheus members. In a really small suit, so he looked like he escaped from like a, a Teletubby commercial. <laughs> so like he did everything, you know. You know, you bring your boys to the party. There's always one. Yeah, Chris Masterlock was the one, but uh, it was an unbelievably humbling experience. And then uh, it was the lead singer from the Pussycat Dolls was the other one, and one of the actors from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Performers and, and actors, they don't, with all due respect, but they don't work a crowd like we do. Like if you, if nope. you agree, if you throw them a microphone, they'll be like, well, I need to speech. What's the lighting? Yeah. You throw us the microphone. It's on. Oh yeah. And so kind of what happened was, is before that it had come out and meet the Orpheus crew and, you know, and uh, I just cut a promo and, you know, and then at the end of the night, of course, Harry Connick Jr. is going to get on the piano and sing and, and uh, the lead singer from the postcard all she did the thing and they sang together and, they looked at me and they said, what are you going to do? I said, well, everyone's singing, so I guess I'll go sing. So in front of 5,000, I came out there and they handed me a trombone and I was getting ready to, and I said, I just want you guys to know, I remember earlier I said I was going to sing, I lied to you. And I cut a promo and I said, listen, you know, and I was a, I was a heel at the time, so I healed it up a little bit. But And then I did, because uh, wrestlers, we love a cheap pop. So uh, I'm in Louisiana, Redbone country, and I said, if you could all rise as we sing the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag, they the entire crowd sang it. Thank God I remember the words. It was a it was a pretty crazy moment. And then I came back to the table and they were chanting Tyrus and I was like, kinda got a little bit of a leery look from Harry. I was like, Well, not all of us have to sing, Bridge. Some of us can just cut a promo. But uh, you know, you get back there and you're just sitting there and I just looked at my buddies and they were smiling and I had Jordan Clearwater there, who I think is a star in the making. He wrestles in, in uh, New Japan. He wrestles with us in NWA. He's part of my clique, and I think he's next. Uh, I think I think this kid's future is just unbelievably bright. He was just sitting there, and I said, "No one's ever better than a wrestler because we're prepared. True, we have one minute, and if you don't get it, you'll never see us again." So, yeah, and that training to the transition to TV, and even telling the story and writing a book, that all comes from wrestling. Sure. I think about my time in Deep Swing was me and TJ and Harry and Natty and the three or four of us would just be sitting around and just watching film and always cutting promos and, and going into stores and stuff and then go hanging and banging. That stuff is invaluable. Like it just for transition. You know, the only time you struggle is when you do movies, all the retakes. Right. That drives wrestlers crazy. Yeah, you're you know, right. Because, you know, because we'll do it. And we're like, all right, cool. I'll be in the trailer. And they're like, no, we're going to do the lighting on this one. You're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, of course you know that. 
Let me talk to you about this then, because you mentioned quite a few times Fox, and obviously you're a regular contributor. You, my wife told me to tell you you're her favorite on uh, on the Gutfield show. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, running into you guys at the movies. Yeah, Tampa. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the Burger Shop, Burger Twenty One. Burger Shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but so how has that increased your fan base being on Fox? Because obviously, like you mentioned, that's a lot of viewers watching you on a nightly basis, and and obviously, like you said. You know how to be on camera. You know how to be funny, but you also know how to be serious uh, with some of the topics that they're discussing. I'm a middle of the road guy. Yeah, I'm a Republican, but I'm not a dick about it. Right. <laughs> I've I voted for Obama twice, and I voted for and I voted for Trump. I vote based off of what I think is best for my household. Yeah. I don't take a backseat to anyone to coin a phrase from gorilla when it when it comes to that. And I'm a common sense guy. I'll question either side of the fence, and I think that's who I am. As a person, I can't, even though in wrestling, you can, you're basically, you know, your own personality turned up 100%. But uh, when you're on a network like Fox, you need to be true to yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. I can't be something I'm not. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a nine, I'm not a 100% Republican guy. You know, I'm a Republican, registered Republican, but I have, I have questions. And I find jokes in everything. Yeah, you have common sense. President Trump had a sense of humor. He retweeted one of my jokes I made about him. That's cool. Yeah, the what president the of the United States. Uh I was talking about he was calling everybody Sleepy Joe and, and stuff like that. And I was basically like, come on, man, like just because you're up to three in the morning on your phone because you can't sleep. Maybe you need some of that Rite Aid or something like that. The rest aid or whatever things that he was sponsoring at the time. <laughs> and uh, he was kind of like this man in the sense where you never you always hear from one of the agents like, hey, it's like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, Greg's the agent, you know, because uh, <laughs> Greg came up to me like, hey, the president liked the, he really liked your joke, man. He's going to retweet it. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. I was like, oh, wow, the president retweeted my, <laughs> my thing. But um, you have to be, uh, for me, I can't just go off into a character. Uh, and, and, and we do see that, unfortunately, on, on opinion pieces and stuff like that. But in doing that, you bring a lot of fans to the table and they want to know more about you. It's such a large, uh, large community. It's such a big fan base. Some of them are wrestling fans, you know, because some go with you, some don't. And then, but you start bringing them into, and when you have almost 3 million people a night watching you, and then they start looking at your stuff on social media, and they're seeing wrestling stuff and a lot of classic clips and stuff like that that I put up there, although I, I need to work on my social media game. It's just a pain in the ass. Right. But it does, your fan base kind of evolves, you know, and you'll have people who have never watched wrestling that are fans of me. And then you, of course, wrestling fans who've been with me since Brodus Clay days. And it's a nice, it's a nice mix. And you kind of hope the world's crossover. We did a, I did a book signing at our last, uh, it's been kind of a house show. We did a, we do a series of TVs in Kentucky and did a book signing there. And, you know, the, we sold out in half the people came there for a book signing had not watched really been to a live wrestling event. And, but, they weren't really talking about my book at all. They were talking about how cool it was to be at a live event. You know, they enjoyed it so much. And there's so much, if you, watching it on TV is one thing, but just like hockey in person is a whole other level. Right, exactly. And so I started talking about bringing in new fans and, and which is great because I think the more you show yourself, and again, I think it's important that people see wrestlers for what they are. I mean, when, if you look at Hollywood, Rock, Cena, Batista, Nash, yourself, I mean, guys who reinvent Goldberg, there's so many guys who have launched other platforms based off wrestling. And then I look at myself as a solid mid-card guy in the WWE to be able to go without necessarily the blessing or the push basically was 
good luck future endeavors uh, and be able to get to it, get to a point where your ratings are kicking their ratings ass. And it's a nice feeling. It's a big deal. Yeah, it was sure. a, nice, it was a nice feeling. And um, it was so SmackDown, when it went to Fox, they came to me and said, hey, will you do a commercial for SmackDown? And I was like, sure. Have you asked them? Not that there was anything bad between us, but you know, when you No, but like, of course. Oh. Yeah, you know, but I, to say I didn't enjoy that was an understatement. <laughs> so I, I I did the little plug, you know, like I walked out during the during the NFL game and like SmackDown is coming to Fox. <laughs> Enough said, and then you know, and then I had a big smirk on my face. So it was kind of a nice homecoming. Full circle. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's talk about that though, because like, like you mentioned, now you, you're, you're studying tape for your championship match against Trevor Murdoch at the pay per view, and you're talking about beating guys up, and you've you know won nine television title defenses in a row. WWE was kind of a different vibe. They had you come in in one way, bodyguard, this, that, and the other thing, and then you turn into which was probably your peak there, the Funkasaurus, which is all personality driven. So kind of talk a little bit about the, the evolution to becoming the Funkasaurus because it was a great character, but it was kind of the opposite of what you might get into wrestling for, especially being a big, giant, tough guy. Taker never liked it. Taker's advice to me was, he came up to me, he was like, fall. I said, what? It's like when you go out there, when you debut tonight, fall. If you fall on the stage, they'll scrap the whole thing. <laughs> you can get back. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just looked at him and I said, would, would you fall? And he said, no. Mm-mm. This is what the boss wanted. Yeah. After the feud with Edge and Christian, I had built up some caveat and they started the uh, House of Pain where I was taking trinkets from people and, and I was just being physical. And I probably spent probably all my time at TV uh, rolling around with Arn for probably three hours a day. And as Arn says, how many damn shirts I got to change while we get you ready? You know, and <laughs> of course, the plan was this is going to be the next monster for Cena, which as a heel, that's what you want. Sure. You know? So, and the vignettes dropped when we were in Mexico and, and you're excited and, and you're training and you're doing all these things and everything I own is black. And um, I go around and crack jokes in the locker room because that's me, you know, uh, and we're always messing around. Unfortunately, it was Yoshi Tatsu that I was picking on because he showed up to TV with a white leather vest, like boots, leather pants, jacket, man purse, leather hat. <laughs> And I think he spent like 12 grand on it. And we just couldn't believe why. <laughs> no one was obsessed with Yoshi Tatsu more than TJ Wilson was. <laughs> and I think I ran second. And TJ and I were just, well, while this was going on, and we were teasing them. And I was like calling them peanut butter or something. Mark Henry recorded it. And he was laughing. And he made the mistake of showing it to Vince. Like, look how funny this dude is. Mm. And he laughed. You know, ha, ha, ha. And then he went, Uh-oh, yeah. then the next meeting, are we sure this guy's a heel? He's funny. And they're like, yeah, he, he's a smart ass. Everyone knows that. But he's funny, so he should be a baby face. And it wasn't like they were overloaded. Kane was making his comeback as a heel. Big Show was, uh, he was going to be a heel. Mark Henry was coming back as a heel. So now you got four big guys that are heels. Three of them are proven stars. 
So who do you think is going to be the one to change? So, you know, it was just a, and Mark took the uh, House of Pain gimmick and, you know, he won a championship with it. So he did, right. he did really well. It was probably the best run of his career. Triple H came to me and he was like, hey, the boss, he, and I was like, huh? How do you think that? And, uh, you know, we had kids afraid of me. I'm beating guys up on superstars and like the crowd is reacting in fear and stuff. And, and my pigeon was afraid. And he was like, uh, yeah, but there's more. And Triple H is a guy that we're like, he's, he doesn't like bad news. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to tell you straight up, but he doesn't like ruining your day and your dreams, you know? Right. So he was basically like, um, he wants you to dance. And my first reaction was legitimately, <laughs> right. WTF, I don't dance, bro. Like, even when I was in clubs, I didn't even bob my head. Like, I don't, yeah, my, my blackness uh, yeah. stops at dancing, bro. Like, that's, you know, I'm just Scottish too, man. That's not happening. But uh, I was like, shit, well, what do we do? And I just I just said to him, can I go back to Dusty and figure it out? We're not doing it tonight, right? He's like, oh, no, 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 not tonight. You got a couple of weeks. So I was like, so I'll go back. Let me get with Dusty and figure this out, you know. And uh, I went to Dusty, and um, and I was like, damn, they're crying. Like, my dream just blew up in my face. And, like, I had Deep South. I was training two-a-days, and it was, like, me, Swagger, Kofi, TJ, Harry, Natty. You know, and all those guys had, had sure. got established, and I got let go for a little while, and then I was brought back. And um, so I'm at FCW, and, you know, I'm just ready to go. And here I am. I had that great run with Alberto and uh, worked, getting a chance to work with Edge and Christian. And so I was just ready to go and frustrated, and I was no longer being like, oh, I'll wait my time. I was like, my time is now. So, and Dusty just looked me in the face. He goes, are you better than me? I was like, no, no, sir, or no coach. He says, he put me in polka dots. And I was like, he said, and the diva he gave me, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. So he's like, so you got to dance. Yeah, he's like, so how are you going to dance? I was like, I have no clue. And uh, he kicked everybody out of the building. He had the sound guy put on moves like Jagger. And it's just, I was coming on. And I'm, <laughs> you can imagine, I'm sitting there, just standing there in this arena alone. He comes walking out of the office with his shirt off. And I was like, oh, what the hell are we doing here? And he's like, dance with me. And I'm like, I'm not dancing with you. He's like, dance with me. And uh, we started dancing. And uh, he's like, that's all you got? Y'all got within like 10 minutes. You would have thought it was like a uh, Grease movie where the two <laughs> chunky buffs are dancing around the building together. And before I knew it, I was having fun and laughing and he, you know, he was doing all, showing me all his moves, and he's like, "I'm not. You can't use this one because they'll know it's me. It's money." And uh, you know, because he's no one was over like he was over. Rest his soul. And legitimately, man, after dancing 30 minutes with him, <laughs> I wasn't afraid of it anymore. You know, and then it became. Uh, I said, "But I still need help." And he was like, "Well, ask Naomi. You know, she should have been on the road. She's our most talented." So I went to her and I begged her, and she was like, "Sure." Whatever you need, bro, I got you. So, you know, because I figured at the very least, I can't make, recreate, uh, I'm not Fred Astaire, Michael Jackson. I can't, and I don't, my heart's not in dancing. So if I had two really good dancers around me, then I could maybe cover it up a little bit, you know, and learn as I go. Right. Because I didn't know what the, the timetable was going to be. So we started doing that, and uh, Dusty just, you know, we kept getting back, and then I was down at Hard Knock South with Rob trying to think of names and stuff, and uh, 
because originally they wanted me to be heavy, heavy G. Uh, I was like, no, one, you got me on a diet. And two, heavy D just died. So I didn't want that. I didn't want that mantra on me. <laughs> Brett, oh, I remember Bret Hart hated it. Bret Hart said, this is, I mean, I don't think I've ever really heard him cuss, but he's like, this is bullshit. You're a killer. Why are you doing this? We need to do something about this. And I was like, Mr. Hart, with all due respect, don't try to save me. We'll just make it worse. Uh, <laughs> you know, because then it will be, then it'll be all dance the entire match. So, and it just came up like, uh, man, I was like, funk this and that, funk this. And I was like, I was saying something else. And then uh, Rob was like, I don't know, Funkasaurus. And I was like, what'd you say? He's like, Funkasaurus? Like, what do we call? And I came up with Funkadactyls. And like, uh, where would I be from? I guess Planet Funk was like, I think it was an album cover of Lucy Collins or something like that. Yeah, so he had George Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. So we all came up with it. And Justin, thank God for Justin, man. They told Justin it was Heavy G from the Concrete Jungle. They had a bunch of stuff going on. And at this point, bro, if you're going to go out, you got to go out in Blaze of Glory. So I just walked up to Justin. He's like, hey, uh, I just want to go over your introduction for tonight. I was like, oh, awesome. Here we go. I was like, uh-uh. It, it's uh, from Planet Funk, uh, the Funkasaurus. And these are the Funkadactyls. And he said, is this approved? I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> big time. <laughs> he should have known then the fact that, oh, I can come up right, with right, 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 right. I had no names to back up this <laughs> allegation. And uh, yeah. he did it. And he came out. I'll never forget it. Uh, at that point, they had not seen me except for the vignettes where I was murdering people and uh, no one talked. To me. And this is how great the locker room was. No one leaked anything. Nobody leaked the thing, like, uh, which was so great about our, our locker room. We didn't have knives out. You know, we were all in the same kind of pit and they kind of liked that crab in the bucket mentality. It was more of like everyone was anytime anyone had anything going, the boys would get in line. We'd all help each other. And it was my turn, and I remember Myers and JTG were arguing with Triple H with who could be my opening match, and they knew what it was going to be. You know, guys like that, that's just the cut of crew we had. Uh, we went out there, and I remember you could have dropped a pin in the audience, man. They were just like, what? And there was a guy, he was probably 40, who had shaved his mohawk like mine. He had a Brodus Clay t-shirt he made himself. <laughs> he just stood up with what could only be described as a tear in his eye and yelled, you suck, bro, this clay. Like he just, <laughs> and I look, and I mean, it echoed through the building, right? And clay, I, clay, clay, yeah, clay. But I just looked at him and said, my bad. And the place went nuts because you're not supposed to look in the TV and break the fourth wall. So I started doing it. I was like, should I get him? And like the people would just, and next thing you know, it was quiet with the cheers. And then, we were on, and it was like, I think it was like 23 weeks in a row that we were like undefeated and doing all that stuff. And guys were just supporting. And uh, it was, it was like probably the toughest thing in my career, but it was the best thing in my career. And honestly, it prepared me. It was after the Funkasaurus, I have no fear of anything in front of the camera mm. because if you can do that, you, you can do anything. So, you know, and there's always going to be wrestling purists that have a comment, whatever. But for me, that was the best to really show what I could do because, and once the bell rang, Vince like, I don't care what you do your thing. Once the bell rang, be aggressive, be what got you here, be what got you signed. Right. In the meantime, you know, and I grew up, JYD brought the kids in the ring. Dusty brought the kids in the ring. Who the hell was I to not want to do that? And that was my role. Now you would be like, well, you're not going to be a champion, but no, but I'm going to set the show up every night. Mm. And there's a certain honor in that. And I enjoyed that. I like being the one that got the party started. Uh, I want to wrestle punk and Cena and, Guys like yourself, absolutely, you know, but uh, sometimes you, you can't have it all and you always think there's time and the way it's worked out. Now, now this is my time. This is where I get to put it all together. 
against Trevor. I get a little showmanship in the ring. So it, it's an exciting time. What was the, the peak of the Funkasaurus? Was there a, a match or a feud that you had where you're like, this is it? Uh, I think, even though our match got cut at SummerSlam, but our house shows and stuff, and we were doing, he called it the figure five. And then Biloxi, Mississippi was probably, uh, we were, I think we were supposed to go eight. We ended up going 12. Arn met us when we were coming in. And he said, I know why you went over. Because you were the, I heard that crowd too. Mm-hmm. And Aaron had, uh, Aaron and I had, were basically, uh, one of the things about, just to go back a little bit, when I was on NXT with uh, Johnny and, and, and EC3 and Brian Saxon, those guys, we were the event after they got pulled from Sci-Fi Network. So nobody gave a shit about what we were doing on the internet. Agents did care. And we were just basically, we all got together and said, we're going to work this. And Daniel Bryan and uh, EC3. And we would decide who was going to win each event each night. And we would all work around it. And I'd be the heel. And so we, and Matt Stryker was in on it with us. And we were getting over because we went in a bit. And then all of a sudden, hey, what's going on? Who's doing this tonight? What's going on tonight? Right. The only guy who knew what was going on was Finley because, you know, you can't talk slick to Finley. But <laughs> Finley was like, do it. You know, keep doing your thing. Like, ignore the riders. Keep doing your thing. So that helped tremendously going into uh, me and Aaron. And Aaron was like, I had a so much merch, right? And I was like, hey, take my necklace, break my necklace, you know, take my leg. And then we came up with a thing like, I'm going to, when I walk to the ring, you're supposed to jump me on my way to the ring. I was like, clip my leg out from underneath from the back. And if you do it right, I'll fall up, not under. Right. But they legitimately thought he broke my leg. When you trick Arn and he thinks your leg's broke, like that's that's <laughs> awesome. And I remember yeah. and I milked it. I, I had the boot on and the I had the boot and the crutches on at the airport and I was doing the whole thing and uh we had so much momentum and then uh, I was working with a limp and when Vince did not like that and mm. he basically triple said, Hey, you're healed. I was like, What? I'm He's like, you're healed. Boss hates it. Thinks you're moving too slow. Doesn't like it. And then uh, I had the feud with the uh, show. Started with show, and he used the announce table to beat me with. Give me three, but it hit, unfortunately, in the heat of the battle, sometimes you don't always get hit square. Mm-hmm. And where it's up on the shoulders, he hit me in the small of the back, and it just crushed my sciatica. So, I, but of course, you don't want to give up your spots. So you keep working when you're banged up. Right. And uh, so I was, but Rob, we worked hard to get it back and uh, we're like maybe get surgery. And I'm like, nah, screw that. I'll just do it the old fashioned way. But uh, probably Aaron, anytime I was with East Slater, uh, Dolph and I, uh, Dolph was probably the most fun. And it was such a big feud with him and Swagger and Vicky and me. And uh, Dolph took that amazing headbutt at night after WrestleMania off the bleachers. So uh, if I had to give the gold medal, Dolph and Swag. And, and Swag, I think things when he was tagging with uh, Cesaro. Probably one of the greatest tag teams never in terms of just workers and guys. Sure. Uh, they should have been champs. Should have been champs forever. I, I remember we were trying to get them established and there was tons of funk and uh, we were kind of had hit a high spot and we were kind of whittling down and my attitude sucked at the time. And uh, <laughs> I looked at and swagging and we're up and I was like, hey, I owe you about 75 uh, overs. If you, when you want to bring back the ankle lock, give me an ankle lock. No issue. Like, I'll, let's get that back. Because Swag literally, for two years, was the Funkasaurus's favorite prey, you know. <laughs> right, right. And we had that match on Raw with uh, Mick Foley and Piper. And Dusty came out and it was me and Swag. And it was supposed to be like 12 minutes, a big feud. But uh, certain individuals talked so long 
that we had legitimately 40 seconds. Oh my gosh. And swag just looked at me and said, headbutt splash. Even though you're going up, there's no winner in that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have an All-American former champion who, without even a blink, I think I was more upset about it than he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, uh, I owe him whenever he asked for it, it's there. And I was able to give that back to him uh, in that tag tournament match and a couple other times on like uh, superstars and stuff. Which, So I was just lucky, man. I was just surrounded by so many good guys. They didn't really have egos and stuff because sometimes it's like it's one thing if you go out there and you're wrestling, you know, Jericho for the heavyweight championship and he, you know, in three minutes gets you in the walls and that's it. It's the champ. Right. But, you know, when you go out there with a guy who's from Planet Funk, you know what I'm saying? It's a little, <laughs> it's a little different. Like, you're like you're a hiccup away from being PM News if you don't watch what's going on. So, you know, so, you know. do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I remember in Jacksonville was the first night I ever met Tony Khan and it's the first night I ever met you because you were there with Snoop Dogg when Snoop Dogg guest hosted Raw. And that's because you were his bodyguard. That's kind of essentially how you got in the business. How was that working with Snoop? Every time I see him, he's the best guy, the friendliest guy. What's it like actually being his bodyguard? I was with the WWE Deep South and FCW. I got let go and I went back to work with Snoop. And we were coming in a European tour. And he told me we were going to Jacksonville to Raw. And I was like, switch me out. I got fired. I don't want to go back. Right. You know, no one wants to go back and get fired. You know, and uh, he was like, it'll be fine, man. Like, you with me now. Like, don't don't sweat the shit. Like, it's not that, man. I was like, he's like, Brett, don't sweat it. You're on a whole other level now. So, uh, and the plan was not to go back. I didn't make it to TV my first run. So I felt it was, an, I took an L and looked at it like, you know, I, I gave him my best shot and it just didn't work out. And I'm not one to marinate on shit. It's time to move on. Sure. So when we went back and we came through, you know, John Laronitis and Cena came out to shake Snoop's hands and then they turned right and then shake my hand and they were like, hey, great seeing you and this, that, whatever. So uh, Snoop was right. And of course it led to, but Snoop is just the most laid back guy, man. He's, he's non-confrontational. So if you're mad at him, You'll never know it. That's my job. And uh, mm-hmm. I was extremely good at being the bad news guy. That was like my thing. <laughs> right. But our, our, our relationship changed when I started coaching youth football with him. On this, and it, it wasn't on purpose. I was there to bodyguard and I was just chilling. But his offensive lineman's footwork was terrible. And I, and I played ball for such a long time. I finally just couldn't take the shit no more. And I just said, hey, excuse me, can I just, you're killing me. And I told the kids, like, hey, pigeon toes, like John Wayne. And they're like, Who? John Wayne was oh, dude, that's so much to build. Uh, I was like, John Wayne's a legend. And like, and then one of the kids says, he hated black people. I said, but he might have, but like John Wayne, the movie character, walks away, you need to walk in football. Okay? Right. So just pigeon toe and walk the way I'm telling you to walk. And then he's like, uh, K-Mac is, he was a coordinator. I was like, oh, you know so much, why don't you coach him? I said, give me an hour and we'll see you in the scrimmage. And uh, Snoop was like, and after that, Snoop's like, you're my line coach. So, and our relationship just kind of grew. And we used to have like four or five bodyguards and it got down to two. It was like one guy at night and me and Snoop. And uh, 
He's just one of those guys that you always know where you stand with, which is nice and rare in, in our business. After Raw, he, he just looked at me and he says, you got to go back. You can do this the rest of your life, man, but you can't wrestle the rest of your life. So, Because he was there when uh, John was like, hey, we, we made a mistake. We'd like to bring you back. And I said, you know, I got to do this like your ex-girlfriend dumped you. And uh, she sees you and asks you to go on a date again. And I, I'm so proud of myself. For right, day. right, right, right. Hey, I said, have a couple of weeks to think about it. And he was like, sure. And I just remember <laughs> on the inside, like, yes. You know, I would have said yes right then, but, I, you know, I had some decorum. I like bodyguarding, but Stu was a pretty good read on guys. And he's like, you're just not a stand the bad guy. He goes, I got enough of those guys. He goes, you're always making jokes and you're entertaining when you're bodyguarding. Miles will get paid for it. So uh, I had his blessing, which was huge. And we, we stayed close. And he's always checking in on me. And uh, he wrote the blurb on my book, which was phenomenal. In terms of presence and how to handle yourself behind stage and being prepared. A lot of people don't realize because they always just see the, you know, they see what you're allowed to see the weed side of things where he's like, but the man doesn't sleep, he sleeps four hours a day tops. Like he's always working and his work ethic is contagious. But the only way you can do, and just like yourself, the only way guys are able to maintain uh, careers at a high level is by putting in the work and um, cutting the nonsense out. Right. And even now, if I needed some advice, uh, he's a phone call away. But um, unless I really am putting my head on the wall against something uh, other than just teasing them about the Lakers sucking, uh, that's about it. Well, you mentioned being a guy that didn't want to be in the back and be a guy that's kind of in front of the camera. And, and just to kind of touch on the Fox News gig again, I mean, obviously you look a certain way. And when you first see a guy like you as a you know political pundit, I'm sure there was a lot of people going, come on. How did you get over, shall we say, using a wrestling term in that world? Which is very much a looks type of world. There's a lot of f. It was a lot of f words. They weren't saying "come on." They're like, "Look at this guy. He looks like he's going to beat everybody up and sell drugs at the end of the show." You know, uh, right? That image is painted like a conservative is a white guy in a suit who goes to church and has affairs on his wife. Like that's a, a conservative, you know, and and right. uh, and a brother and someone who's not. I haven't changed the way I dress since I was 13. So. One, people have to really be willing to take the risk. And um, Greg Gutfeld was like, I don't care what you say. You make people laugh. Mm. I want you on my show. And I'll take the heat and, to use the rest of it. And what shout out is first is they, just like anything else, you judge a book by a cover. And um, they'd be staring at this big bearded wrestler with tattoos, and black with his, you know, his the way he talks and stuff. But the stuff I was saying, I think it was when the, stuff came out that I took a risk and just, I just kept it real. And I think it was the comment I made that uh, resisting arrest doesn't make you Rosa Parks. It makes you a criminal. And I, I went through situations that when I was pulled over, I've had a gun in my head for basically the way I looked and stuff by a bad cop. But I've also had for that one incident, a hundred incidences where police officers that gave me advice, took care of me, were there for me, gave me a break, smartened me up. And, and I also took responsibility. What was I doing at that time? Right. You know, I'm hanging out with drug dealers. So my whole message has been, you can have two thoughts on one subject. We get so caught up in this, this one lane of thinking and everything has to be in a box, not being in the box and not allowing myself to be in the box. And if your convictions are good and you're genuine and people can identify with anything you say, they don't give a damn what you look like. Mm -hmm. your words matter and uh when you start to when people go what is this guy I'm like oh that's funny i didn't think of it that way oh you know what i like this guy you know because old white women if i walk into a store 
10 years ago would go the other side and literally lock their car from inside the grocery store. They're quick, you know, they get nervous. They won't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Now they're, now they come up to me, they want to hug and of course get something off the top shelf and give me some <laughs> criticisms and things I could do better and invite me to dinner and all that kind of stuff. So once people get past this and get to the exterior, uh, they don't give a damn about those things because those are barriers that put up to keep people from, expressing themselves and you know and uh, it's like and i've been able to and for me i feel it's to open the door like uh uh i said that that pod like fox is like i could have a podcast with cat and they're like hey we'd like you to do like a political podcast and i said no i won't do that but i will do a podcast with my wrestling buddies talking about life what about that and they're like you want to do a wrestling podcast on fox news radio i was like yeah and uh they're like fine we'll try it it's kicking the ass of the super conservative ones on there and it's like you know kevin kiley you know a Ry. i got him to come out of um, seclusion and yeah, trevor murdoch which is ironic because trevor's on there <laughs> aaron's on there so a lot of my good and we bring uh, legends all the time to like talk about like godfather came on and he's the greatest wrestler of all time because he never really wanted to do it so he kept getting these awesome <laughs> gimmicks because he was the one guy going, hey, Vince, I think i'm gonna go home wait wait how about this i was like <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, and each gimmick got less and less bumping. He didn't have to bump at all by that last one. A genius, you know. And I was trying yeah. not to be angry at all. Time. Oh, man, I'd be like in the hallway. Like <laughs> if he looked at me, I'd be like, "Yes, he looked at me today," you know. And it just kind of like just then they're like, "Oh wow, we really like Trevor," and "Oh, we like Kevin," and "We all like this guy." So that's the one thing that's been a little awkward because I didn't think that I'd be challenging. Uh, at least I thought it was going to be Nick and Trevor. We all kind of thought it was going to be Nick and Trevor. So, you know, we have our podcast and now as it gets closer, it's, you know, getting awkward and uncomfortable because Trevor is a pure wrestling. You know, he's hard. He's hard. The thing him is Harley Race. He was his prize pupil and he's starting to, the attention that it's coming. He's, he doesn't like being referred to as, hey, who's that guy? Tyrus wrestling. You know, and that's not on me. That's, you know, that's on him. But uh, it's leading to like, we, we're not talking as much, uh, Harley at all now. And, um, you know, because he knows, uh, especially with, Coming in, I can't be 300 and, you know, 65, 70 pounds wrestling Trevor. Right. When I wrestled Pope at that weight, I was able to lean on Pope all night and, you know, can't lean on Trevor. Like, it's going to be a fight. And he's a big guy. He's not, he's not somebody that you can just like bully around, you know. And um, what started out is we said we we're going to shake hands when it's over. You know, we have friends and our kids are friends and all that stuff. But um, it, it's, you know, he's going to try to punch me in the mouth and I'm going to try to punch him in the mouth. So uh, it's, it's going to be ugly. And, um, like he said, I'm going to have to down there kill him to get it off him. So it's going to be a challenge. And this match is in the famous chase in St. Louis. I mean, it's the f to talk about the historical chase, chase theater, chase ballroom. Really cool was that uh, my son's uh, grandfather, Haku, or Tonga, or Ming, or whatever you want to call him by, he won his first, <laughs> he won his first championship in St. Louis. He also, his first title defense was against a very young Trevor Murdoch, who uh, upset him for that title. So uh, for me, it's I, I got some get back for the fam, right. so to speak. But, uh, you know, that was one of those territories where everybody who was anybody was at the chase. And it's a unique venue in itself. It's a hotel where you don't leave. Movie theater, gym, everything, you shop, everything is all contained in there. And uh, the last year at the Chase, uh, Ric Flair was a special guest, and he came out and uh, he, he gave a few words. But, uh, you know, uh, Austin Idol, who's uh, part of my management team, 
Uh, he had quite a few nights at the chase. Harley Race, rest his soul, had some huge nights at the chase. Baby Doll's going to be there. J.J. Dillon's going to be there. You know, the fan of me was like, I get Baby Doll, you get J.J. Dillon. Let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's always great when you're able to showcase NWA history, but respect it. And when J.J. Dillon's watching and Barry Windham's watching, and Barry Windham's probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Agreed. Uh, and some people will say he's a great big man. No, <laughs> he just happened to be big. All across the board, yeah. But you name one style he couldn't do, that flying lariat or that drop kick or that bulldog or the superplex or when he when he joined the horseman and he was putting claws. Everything he did was at a high level. I know uh, in that era, they always talk about Lex Luger and Sting, uh, and rightfully so, but when you're talking about the greatest worker of that era, I think it's hands down uh, Barry Windham. But the fact that he's going to be there. And um, so there's a lot of good pressure though. This, this ain't a lay on the ground headlock. Like it's, we got to earn it. And plus let's not kid ourselves. You just raised the bar. You and Moxley raised the damn bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I text Trevor. I said, no, we're not talking, but I know you, are you watching what I'm watching right now? And uh, he just wrote back. Yeah, but don't talk to me. So. <laughs> Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey man, last few questions for you. What's it like having Haku as, you know, your son's grandfather? Obviously, you had a baby with his daughter. I mean, that that's a little bit of extra added pressure right there. Well, <laughs> his son, Tavita, is one of my closest friends. Yeah. He's probably the greatest uncle I could ever ask for. And we were a tag team together called uh, the Colossal Connection Part Two uh, <laughs> in FCW. <laughs> My first match where I said, I'm going to do this was uh, King Tonga versus Big John Studd at Madison Square Garden. If you've never seen this match, Big John Studd looks like he was in the sun. He was so red from chops. And <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Tonga breaks out a, a Hawaiian dance in the middle of the ring. And I mean, Madison Square Garden was going crazy. You know, you don't, as a fan, you don't read lips, but as a wrestler, you do. And Bobby's like, what are you doing? We don't need this guy. Let's go. And Stun puts him aside. He goes, no, I'm getting this kid over. And he went back in the ring and took more. I mean, they, and it was just one of those things where you get, I get goosebumps just talking about it. Right. So uh, when I got the, hey, my dad wants to meet you. And it was, uh, we were met at neutral ground, a golden corral of all places. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't stop cheesing because I'm about to meet one of my heroes. Apparently, previous relationships meeting didn't go well. So within 30 seconds, I started talking to him about the Madison Square Garden. We laughed, and the two of us, we sat there for three hours as he told me wrestling stories, and she actually left. <laughs> and we've been inseparable uh, ever since, uh, even after you know things didn't go on. But uh, I know him as Pa. He adores his grandson and my grandson, and he is the sweetest guy in the world. And you talk about reputation and stuff, but... He'll give up his bed for his grandson. Uh, he'll be sleeping on the floor. I'm like, Pop, why are you? Do- he's he can sleep on the floor. No, he's my grandson. Like, 
And then anytime I have an ironically, when I was upset about the Fungosaurus, you know who loved it the most? Uh, Tonga. He did. He, did. <laughs> he was like, this is so great. Oh my God, the dancing you were doing. I was like, oh, this and I'm sitting there going, you're not mad? He's like, no, brother, no, cash that check. Brother. So <laughs> at the collar and elbow, uh, collar and elbow, I, with him and Barbarian were uh, put in the Hall of Fame. He let me give the speech, which was a tremendous honor. And uh, so I was able to get a speech for that. But uh, yeah, we talked. I talked to uh, one thing sucks about my, not, uh, my son's in Florida and I'm in Louisiana, but I never worried about my son because he's with Ma and Pa. And yeah. He's surrounded and we FaceTime every day and he'll hop on there and he'll be NWA my matches and stuff and this, that, whatever. And uh, I'm trying to get him to be at the chase. I'm like, you want to come out, you know, but it, it's really was, it was just one of those relationships where the day we met, I just fell in love. Yeah. You know? it, he's just such a great one guy. of the best guys. Just, anyone who's been around him, and you know that, like, yep. you know, and, uh, his reputation is not, uh, not accurate. One of my favorite people I've ever met in the business for sure. Uh, last question for you, man. What's your all time favorite matches you've ever had? TJ Wilson and me in Mexico. I was coming up right after NXT. Him and I, we went 15 minutes in Mexico. No one knew who the hell we were. And we stole the damn show, <laughs> stole the show. And I remember coming back through and Randy said, <laughs> yeah tj was and i wanted to change the finish because he was they, they were going nuts and i kept dumping and he kept coming in and, and i was like hit the knees once you get me just hit and he was like to see if you can go fool like greatest uh, greatest mind that i've ever had the pleasure of being in the ring with that match will always be because that's when you come through and you're like you know what i belong because, you know, the big guys, sometimes we get treated a little differently and given opportunities that were not necessarily we deserve. Yeah. And uh, TJ Wilson's not going to give that to you. You're the shits. He's going to tell you. He's actually going to enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, for him to look at me and go, I will work in any time, any place. And uh, that to me was one of those things where a guy had a lot of respect for him. Somebody coming from the tutelage of the dungeon. And you guys know who can go and cannot go because no one trained like you guys trained. So yeah, uh, being a part of that, spending so many times getting Harry Smith teaching me how to do Indian death locks, which <laughs> might have to break that shit out, Trevor. So there you go. That's my favorite match. That's the match where I was like, you know what? Really gave me the nod. Like usually he had some criticism. He's like, nope, that'll do, pig. That'll do. So <laughs> that that's my favorite match. Well, dude, you got a huge match coming up with Trevor Murdoch could be possibly the nwa world champion here and uh, it's great talking with you man congratulations on all your success and we always enjoy watching you and thank you for what you're doing man and uh, i enjoy watching you and i consider myself an honorary member of the chris jericho appreciation club <laughs> there you go man keep doing what you're doing man take care brother thank you so much for your time boss we'll see you soon man good luck this week yes, cheers man 